you are listening to the Polygots Cave. This is a podcast about languages, culture, and education, in which every week, friend Manuel and I, Luis, will discuss these topics. So here we are for our third episode. Manuel, how are you today? Hi, Luis. Hi, Professor. Um, very good. Very interesting. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting episode. Um, I'm really excited to get to know more about Lithuania and I mean, hopefully to, to know, get to know a little bit better Professor Ryute. I hope that I'm pronouncing correctly your name. <laughs> Not perfectly. It's, yeah, so <laughs> okay. you just made a spoiler because here we have a special guest, <laughs> Virute, Virute Black from Lithuania. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. I'm very happy to be here and uh, uh, to hear from you things to hear how you are doing, how you how you teach, uh, and things like that. And yeah, I'm great. Thanks. Yeah, yeah that's where well, Birute and I have some history because I was his student in a winter course I took. So I don't know, Birute, if you want to talk about it. Yeah, I, I, can, I, can, I can say some things. Maybe it, it would be interesting for the listeners. Uh, so... Uh, in Lithuania, in the capital, uh, at one uh, of the universities, Vitotas Magnas, we have uh, courses, intense courses. Uh, it's like one month uh, intense. And we used to have only in summer, but uh, a few years ago, the organizers, uh, the organizer decided that why not to try uh, during winter too? And actually was very successful because for some people it's more comfortable winter, for, for others uh, is summer. So um, yeah, so you joined the courses and uh, yeah, in one month, uh, people, they start at least a little bit to speak in the language, uh, which is considered as like one of the oldest in the Europe. I'm sorry, I love my language, so I'll be very okay. uh, kind okay. <laughs> when I will be talking about my language. Yeah, so so these are the the courses where I, I met Luis. He was one of the best students there. Uh, it much. wasn't so hard <laughs> for him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so you are from Lithuania. Don't you tell us about Lithuania because. Maybe for the listeners, it's not a, com a popular country. I think it's not a popular country for everyone. Yeah, um, uh, I, I noticed that, you know, when you live in Lithuania, it's hard to imagine that there are people that they don't know Lithuania. But actually, it's, it's uh, true. And uh, my husband is American, so we sometimes... Uh, 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 we, we sometimes are in San Diego and uh, people, of course, they hear my accent and they ask always, where are you from? In a grocery store. And in the beginning, it was fun. It was like a tension. And I was thinking, okay, I will tell you about myself and about Lithuania. And um, after, my, after me saying like, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not from here. I'm from Lithuania. They would be very often silent because they don't know where it is, what it is, and they don't know what to ask. Uh, so uh, what to say about Lithuania? Lithuania is uh, 
uh, some people say that it's Eastern country, Eastern Europe country. Uh, some people say uh, that it's North. I like to imagine that it's North because we have very sometimes cold winters. And this uh, particular uh, winter was really cold. Uh, you probably, probably remember from the courses I was sharing sometimes the temperature and the pictures. Yeah, we do remember. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so this, uh, this is a small country. It's the Baltic country uh, from the Baltic region. Uh, all, uh, other Baltic countries are uh, Latvia and Estonia. We are together, close each other. And uh, we have now at this point like 2.6 million people. Uh, we have a lot of songs about 3 millions. <laughs> we are 3 million, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's a little bit getting uh, lower the number. We don't know what it will be later, but uh, it is what it is now and 2.6. It sounds probably very little for you uh, because sometimes even the city, for example, uh, San Diego, which I mentioned, the city is even much bigger uh, uh, if you think about the population than the, the whole country of Lithuania. We have a lot of forests, lakes, um, I don't know. The nature is very beautiful. We have a very beautiful, deep, long history, uh, culture. Uh, I think that uh, since I'm also writing poetry and I'm interested in this field, um, I could say that our literature is kind of strong. So we have some, some things that, that we could be happy and proud about and maybe some things where we could be better and uh, I don't know so I don't know even what to say L like really hard question like tell about Lithuanian it's like from the outside uh, when I think and from uh, like when I think about Lithuania as like uh, Lithuanian from the inside uh, I don't know maybe you have like a specific question that would help me uh, yeah Manuel do you have any questions I mean I know some things about Lithuania, that's why I don't ask. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I have a question. Um, educationally, where does Lithuania stand in, in Europe? Uh, is because I'm very interested in, in how the educational systems work because I think it's, um, it's an interesting point to get to know uh, a little bit more about uh, our guests. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, about the education system and where Lithuania is in this, yeah, as I understand. Okay, so I think um, our education uh, system is uh, like pretty good, I would say. Uh, people come all over the world, uh, like via Erasmus program or uh, other kind of programs to study here and they they leave happy. And I think, of course, depends which university you choose. We have many universities. And the, uh, some, some people, they say that even too much. We, don't, we wouldn't need them that many because there are only very few people in the country. And why would you need so many universities? But each university fights for, for itself and uh, yeah, uh, tries, tries to gather the, the community and try, tries to be exceptional. And we have um, 
Vilnius University, which is uh, in the capital in Vilnius, where I live now for almost 10 years. Um, and I, I, I had my master's there. Uh, and Vilnius University is one of the oldest. If you count and you think about the oldest universities in the whole Europe, you could see in the lists uh, Vilnius University. And uh, I think it's a value, the, uh, the, 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 the history and the length of that history, because um, here we, uh, in Vilnius University studied uh, Milos, uh, the Nobel, uh, literary Nobel Prize uh, winner, then Adomas Mitzkevichus, Adam Mitzkevich, Mitzkevich, I don't know if I pronounce it well, probably, probably not. I tried to say kind of in the more English way. So um, yeah, so I think it's a, it's a pretty good. And uh, what Lithuanians, they always say that, uh, I don't know if it is a real, like, uh, it's like, it's true or, or maybe, um, the true that was made more beautiful, but um, Lithuanians are kind of known for their lasers and physics. So kind of this, this field is strong. Um, so that's, that's, I think, the, the general information. No, it's great. It's great. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, it's very interesting to get to know a little bit more about our guests and their experience in any kind of field could be professionally uh, in their time in the, their country's education system. And it is very interesting to get to know that part because you get another insight on what the education is on, in other countries. So we'll be with the why don't you tell us a little bit more about you? You mentioned that you are a writer, right? Um. It's really hard to name myself like that. I could say that, yeah, I, I write, I write poetry. I publish my poems. Sometimes my, a, few of the, a few of my poems are translated into Greek and to Polish languages, but I don't have a book yet. I am thinking about it, but my old poems, they, uh, when I look at it, it seems like they're, mm, they're already like I, I see some weakness and I don't have enough the new ones uh, to, to gather the book. So, so um, I will have it when I will feel that it's, it's good enough, it's strong enough and I won't, be, I won't regret when I will think about it uh, after some years. So this is my goal, yeah. And um, maybe I should start talking about myself from the very beginning. I uh, I grown up in a very very small village named Grashe, and uh, my maiden uh, uh, like uh, surname, uh, or I should say name, uh, I don't know how how it is correct to say, uh, was Grashita. So it's the same uh, the same name. Grashe is the village, and my my surname was Grashita. Uh, it is really like six houses. Uh, uh, in, in that village, and we planted potatoes, we planted uh, beetroot, and uh, I grown, I learned uh, calculation, some basic, the primary math, uh, while waiting uh, when my grandmother will milk the cow, uh, like standing near the cow. <laughs> so this was my childhood. And uh, then um, I, I moved uh, through small, uh, bigger cities, but uh, probably in English, it still would be called villages. 
um, they had like two grocery stores in <laughs> like Vironas or Fali. These are the names of my my small towns uh, where I live. And um, I moved to Vilnius in 2010 uh, to study my uh, bachelor, which was uh, philology. And uh, I stayed here. I fell in love completely with this city. I love the old town. And I understand that sometimes um, village people, they, they have this longing for the nature uh, and the thinking like, uh, oh, this is city, like not for me, it's too loud, too fast, uh, like too much of concrete around me. But I, I don't think like that. Maybe Vilnius is a different city because we have a lot of uh, green areas here and where I live in Noyanist is not very far from the university, by the way, Luis, which uh, was organizing the courses. We have a huge park, uh, Vingis Park, uh, a lot of forests and so on. So I could go uh, whenever I want uh, for a walk and <laughs> to breathe, uh, breathe the air. Uh, and smell pine trees and so on. So maybe that's why I don't have that longing. But actually, I feel really great in here. We have lakes around it. And during the hot summer, I could just take an Uber or Bolt for two euros and uh, wind up near like a beautiful lake, swim and go back. And then again, <laughs> read something. And so, um, yeah. So I mentioned my, my, uh, my bachelor, uh, which was philology, Lithuanian language philology. And then uh, I studied masters in Vilnius University, um, uh, uh, literary anthropology and culture. I really liked all the people uh, I know and my family, they said it's not like pragmatic enough. What, what would you do with this, <laughs> with this kind of thing? But it was, uh, very interesting, and I'm very happy that I did that. It, it extended my knowledge about about literature and about the world. And then now after no, during the bachelor, actually, I wound up working in the newspaper Bernardini dot uh, internet newspaper. But we were also publishing the paper journal. Uh, so I was uh, working in the culture. Uh, Kind of with culture topics like literature, theater, art, music, and so on. And uh, after that, very briefly, I worked in the national uh, radio and television, uh, also as a journalist. But uh, it was brief because I actually didn't really like uh, to write about milk prices and <laughs> these kind of things, economics, like health because these were not the topics that I'm interested actually that much in. Of course, they're important, but I'm not like um, crazy about it. So, uh, and I, I decided that it's not my place probably and I have to do something else. I, um, uh, yeah, uh, probably chronologically, I'm, I'm, I'm not really, uh, clear, but uh, after that Bernardini work, I, I, I traveled to Argentina for three months. Uh, I had my uh, internship there. Uh, the inter internship uh, was like to teach Lithuanian language, uh, to organize some culture events, to communicate with Lithuanians in there. And it was really wonderful. And uh, actually, uh, after uh, this also journalist work, I wound up working uh, in a school, uh, 
though I, have, I worked in several international schools in Vilnius, and now I work in uh, Vilnius Waldorf School, which I really love, and the, their values are very beautiful, and the children are exceptional, I would say. Um, so I'm very happy here, and I also work uh, in these uh, Vitotas Magnus Universities uh, summer and winter courses, which I also um, like. I'm happy to be a part of because I mean, I mean, already it was my seventh year, I think. So it shows that I, I kind of, I like, I do what I like. If I don't like, I, I most of the time quit. So, yeah. So this is about me. Uh, it's, I don't know. Pretty, it's a pretty, pretty interesting story. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know. For myself, it's like, messy everywhere i've been there and there and there and maybe if i would like try to uh, be employed somewhere um, i would be asked why uh, why i change so many places workplaces but that's how people they find the place where they feel good probably yeah that's uh, i think that's the important part of a job that you enjoy doing that job actually okay now um for this next part, we want to get to know a little bit more about your experience with languages. It could be learning uh, English, your experience, uh, the difficulties, uh, how do you solve those difficulties, and how would you encourage our audience to learn um, not only English, but maybe Lithuanian, other languages, the languages that you are interested in? Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for this question. Yeah, I teach Lithuanian language and we have uh, cases in Lithuanian language, the declinational uh, system. And uh, when, I don't know, my, my uh, how I studied English, it's kind of complicated. Uh, probably uh, while listening, you uh, who listen this podcast and you, uh, Manuel and Luis, you probably also heard some grammar mistakes that I made. Uh, because um, when I was in school, it, probably since my second grade, I, I, I was uh, taught English. Uh, we were studying in school for a long time. But in a school, I don't know, it really depends a lot on the teacher. And when you're very young uh, or little <laughs> or young, mm -hmm. it, it's really important. And uh, I don't think that I had like a good ones, English. I had a really great uh, Lithuanian language teacher. And she helped me to find, <laughs> find uh, like, I don't know, to find literature to find the things and English, yeah. So, uh, and I learned some, some, I don't know. I, I learned some constructions of the sentence that I still sometimes use, even though that it's not correct. And after I say that, I remember, oh, oh my God, this is like not, not good, but I said that. And the next time when I speak very fast without thinking, I, I, I found myself again saying the same mistake in like a sentence with a mistake. So I don't know, it's like maybe in time I will, uh, I will lose it, but it's really like uh, what I wanna, what is my point? Uh, that the beginning is really important. The beginning of uh, learning a language, you have to like uh, make it really clear. And you know, uh, I, I actually, I know a little bit of Russian 
I know a little bit of Latin and I know more than a little bit Spanish, but I, I couldn't speak with you guys, but pero yo puedo hablar poquito. Um, and I didn't actually study that much Spanish. I mentioned to you that I went to Argentina around 2016, I think. Um, and uh, there, no one can speak almost English, very few people. And of course, in the Lithuanian community, uh, some people, especially older people, they speak, um, they speak Lithuanian. So, but I understood that it's not really enough. And I was living in a beautiful, beautiful house in a city named La Plata. Um, and in that house, uh, I had like, not how to say, flat, flatmates probably, I should say. Flatmates or my uh, kind of neighbors. Uh, two of them were from uh, Colombia and one was, uh, was from Santa Fe, uh, also Argentina, Santa Fe. And uh, once we decided to gather together in the kitchen to speak, to chat in the evening. And um, it was really hard. I understood that I thought in the beginning, I, I had no Spanish, but I thought maybe I could use English and we could communicate, but I understood that no. And really that first meeting with them was kind of, I don't know, I felt really bad. I was thinking that maybe I should change the place where I live, I don't know. And then uh, I had the next day I had some meeting in the community uh, and I stayed in the community very late and I came back home and on my door, I saw a letter. Uh, uh, they wrote me a letter with the Google translator into English and they said, Deruta, you're very welcome here. Like, uh, let's try all of us somehow to communicate. We will try to study English. Maybe we will teach you a little bit Spanish. Uh, just uh, feel, feel welcome and so on. And it was such an encouragement for me. And uh, yeah, I made uh, next days, like next weeks, like uh, we would sometimes gather in, in that kitchen and uh, they would speak something in Spanish and I would be, I would understand something a little because it's similar to Latin, some, some words. And then I decided like, maybe I should study a little bit. So I found like a teacher and I, I, I think my classes were twice per week. But I learned a lot. In the end of those three months, I was I was able to speak uh, a little bit, some like main things, maybe not to like talk as not, and now I talk with you, but yeah, still. So um, and uh, this uh, this uh, this uh, story or this talk point is that. Um, I was really surrounded by uh, Spanish speakers and I, I had no other way just to learn. So, um, and I was like, I loved the sound of the language. I loved how uh, people in Argentina pronounce. So maybe that's why I was co collecting that uh, uh, and admiring and, and wanting, wanting to, uh, to learn. Uh, so, um, yeah, but it, it's kind of it kind of helped, and I understood probably uh, at that time that it's it's uh, it's a big pleasure to study a language actually, and uh, of course my philology studies, Lithuanian philology, extended my understanding about the language as a system, and. Uh, of course, now if I would study like any other kind of language, 
it would be uh, much easier because I'm more conscious and um, yeah, much more than in the school where I like, but no understanding uh, about how it works, the language and so on. So I could say that even my philology studies was kind of like a, a bridge uh, that helped me to understand how the language works and how it could be learned any even other, not just Lithuanian, even though that the other language doesn't have the cases that we have and, and so on. So, so yeah, so, and I, 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 once I fell in love with the German language, then like Spanish, I, I, I'm in love with many languages. I don't have a lot of knowledge because I, I never, uh, had any uh, courses just school uh, so um, but maybe someday maybe I was thinking that maybe I should improve my Spanish uh, that was uh, that occurred, occurred to me uh, like I don't know a few weeks ago I was thinking yeah, I have some language I have to keep it alive I have to um, do something with it so yeah maybe maybe I should find some time and yeah so these are my experiences. Um, I could, I don't know, I could talk and talk about Lithuanian language, but um, about the, the other languages, is that what I, what I just told? Yeah. I don't know if I answered the question, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's okay. It, it was a perfect answer. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. Uh, it is very interesting. Um, the whole background of your experience in, in, in Argentina uh, it is very interesting how even we, even when you are not completely able to communicate with other people, somehow you interact with them and find a way. So it, it is very interesting how the, the language barrier uh, would not totally, uh, I mean, would not totally keep you away from communicating with them. So it is... It was a very interesting answer. Thank you very much. <laughs> the body also is like a perfect language. Face, hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the body yeah. languages, the expressions. Yeah, everything helps. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was uh, talking and talking, and it's actually really interesting. I don't know if I'm allowed to ask questions. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> okay, so I'm interested in uh, in Mexico. So, uh, what languages do you study in, in school? You ca can you choose or? It depends. In public education, is English because, well, you know, here we here we are next to the United States, so mm -hmm. it's like I don't know the most interesting language. Maybe not. Maybe the most interesting, but maybe the use the most useful one. Mm -hmm. Because you know a lot of we have a lot of trade with the United States, uh, but in private education you can find some schools that teach French and German, but mm -hmm. it's not that common. Yeah, specifically in in the university that Lisa and I studied, um, when we enrolled ourselves in in the bachelor's degree, uh, we knew that you could actually enroll yourself in into the French bachelor's degree. So at the University of Veracruzana, we have two bachelor's degrees specified in, in language, uh, which is the English and the French. And we have like a small school called Centro de Idiomas, which we like the center of languages, in which, you know, many teachers gather to teach not only 
English, but they also teach uh, French, German, Italian, Portuguese, Japanese, um, and Chinese, if I can remember, I can remember right, because I did my social service in that school. Um, and, and yeah, like Luis mentioned, uh, probably English is the most popular language to learn, given that we are close to, to the United States and given how professionally it will help you. Uh, but, it's, but it's very interesting because specifically in, in, in our environment, uh, we met people who, would, who wouldn't be very interested in, in English, but they were more interested in, I don't know, French, uh, Japanese, you know, the Asian languages have gained a lot of, uh, uh, have gained a lot of popularity nowadays. And, and it's very interesting once you have that experience to, to be in contact with other languages, it kind of changes your perspective and opens uh, your mind to, to get to know more culture, to get to know more languages, to get to know more, uh, more ideas from, from other people. So it is, it is very interesting. Yeah, and I was thinking, I asked this because I, I, I have a, like, <laughs> I, I probably, um, I would guess that uh, the English speaking countries, they, uh, they don't pay too much attention to the other languages because they know that they speak the language that the whole world could speak and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting insight because normally the I don't want to say that is uh, two days ago, we talked to, with a friend of ours, uh, Chris, who, uh, you know, uh, gave, gave a course in a conversational club uh, in October, if I remember right, from October to December. From August to October. August to, August to December, yeah. okay. Uh, and he mentioned that, that many people from the United States sometimes don't get involved in learning in other languages because they know that even if they go abroad, maybe to Europe or maybe to other uh, continent, uh, people are likely to speak English because of the tourist value. You know, you, they know that you are a tourist and they need to speak uh, some English for 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 you to understand them. So it is very interesting that you mentioned it because sometimes. Uh, I feel that way that maybe uh, other maybe learning a language it could open up uh, your mind, your insight. I don't know. It's it's something really really challenging. So, how it is the language situation in Lithuania? It's similar mm -hmm. to how it is here in Mexico. Uh, the uh, uh, language learning um, yeah. in in my village schools uh, we had English and Russian. Uh, Russian was in the later years. English was from the second grade. And uh, when I moved to the bigger uh, cities, like cities, uh, towns, or as in English would be called still villages. Um, yeah, there were like French or a German language, you can, a possibility to choose, actually. So yeah, in, in most of the schools, these like four languages you can study and then, yeah, you can study some things at a university, like uh, whatever, whenever you, whatever you want. 
probably if you think that you want to study Chinese language or I don't know um, any other maybe some rare language probably you can find it at some university so yeah so the situation is like that but I think in the public schools uh, still like I think that not everywhere maybe I wasn't that really a great student in the school I was more interested like with my brother to go to ski uh, and <laughs> to spend some time outside to swim in the lake not to study but um, yeah and then I became more serious uh, in the later uh, years uh, like when I was about to finish my school so maybe it was a little bit late but I have a memory that yeah um, that the, the, the teaching could be maybe better I don't know I was thinking like that. So, but uh, the school is the school. You, my memory probably not necessarily is very objective because we, the school is, um, I don't know, very few people, they really like to go to school. <laughs> I mean, I separate school and then university. I mean, uh, like that. So... But yeah, the situation is maybe good. People, uh, young generation, they speak in English quite, uh, quite well, actually. Uh, older people, they speak uh, more Russian, uh, yeah. maybe a little bit English. Some of them from the very like uh, special schools. Uh, for example, in Vilnius, we have uh, Salomeus Nerias Gymnasium. Uh, the gymna gymnasium is named by like one well-known poet, Salome Neris. And uh, like, like my parents' generation uh, who studied there now knows not only Russian, but also English, which is kind of impressive in here in the, in the country, uh, knowing the whole uh, history. So yeah, and my, my, my age people, they... Uh, they rarely know Russian, most, most of them, and they know now English uh, more often. So this is this. And Vilnius is very international still. It used to be much more, definitely, but still international uh, city. We have uh, many Poles here, many Russians. So these languages you can hear in the street uh, when, you, when you walk, you will hear Polish language probably and Russian every day when you walk uh, somewhere. Okay, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I was curious because, well, you know, you are neighbors to Russia. Russia <laughs> like to have a lot of influence. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there are, uh, of course, in, in uh, the language, some things uh, in the language, they, 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 it's similar, some, some things. They are adopted from the language uh, because of the history. Yeah, especially in some dialects, you can find like words that are really uh, not not ours, not Lithuanian language uh, words. Yeah, and speaking about Lithuanian language situation in Lithuania, so it's kind of maybe interesting that we have this uh, language commission which protects that tries to protect the language and uh, protect it it's from changing. I don't know if uh, it is good or bad. I would like to hear from you. What do you think about it? But this commission, they uh, um, overlook 
television, newspapers, public, everywhere publicly uh, uh, used language. And they check if they do, they do some mistakes. There is a, a huge list uh, of the biggest grammar mistakes. And if you are, for example, a restaurant owner and you have a menu in, in that menu, you use uh, like uh, a sentence with that uh, grammar mistake, which is from the list of the biggest grammar mistakes. Uh, in the past, it used to be that you would get a fee. No, at the, in the beginning, they would notice you. They would, they would send you a notice like, hey, just change this because there is a mistake. And if you don't pay attention, uh, then uh, you would get a fee. You, you will have to pay some money. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's how uh, uh, they try to protect. There are other ways, of course, and uh, they put like they, they overlook the, for example, punctuation. They think how people use now the punctuation and uh, some of the rules that I remember from my uh, school time uh, from like, I don't know, uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, it was like a must thing in this place specifically in a sentence to put comma. And for example, now, it's exceptional. If you want to express it more, then you can put the comma. But not all uh, the rules are like that. It's uh, very strict. Like there are like many, many uh, difficult uh, uh, punctuation uh, actually rules that are difficult even for Lithuanians. So, um, but about, about, something is a little bit changing, but there is a lot of a lot of protection for the language. So I don't know, what do you think? Is it good or bad? Uh, should maybe the country just say like the language is like, a, uh, should change uh, like in the use because it's like a live thing or it should be protected? The like very old constructions and so on. What do you think? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I think it's similar to the system in Iceland, if I'm not wrong, in Iceland they have like a council, but I think it's not as strict as it is in Lithuania. They, I think they only regulate the name for the boys and the girls, the babies in general. Mm. And yeah, I mean, we here in Mexico we also have something something like that, but it is not well. I mean, no one pays attention to what what they say. It's called yeah. <laughs> la Real well, Academia de la Lengua Española. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is interesting. Um, we have that academy, and they are well the statements that they normally you know publish about or how the Spanish speakers should speak the language or how <laughs> they should construct their ideas, how to write. Oh wow! Um, we don't normally pay attention. Yeah, like Luis mentioned, yeah. we don't normally pay attention. It's I mean, it's got it's gotten to the point of how ridiculous it is that um, just a, a a company that writes a dictionary can tell you how to speak because uh, you don't learn to speak uh, when you're a child. You don't learn to speak your language with a book. Um, you just learn it naturally, and um, <clears throat> I think it is very interesting what you mentioned. And I, I, I think it is important to, you know, to keep the tradition 
of a language, mm -hmm. but it also with the idea that languages keep evolving. You know, it's it, they are not going they are not going to stay the same. Over the years, new generations are going to add something new, uh, given their experience, maybe with the out maybe with the outside of their country, maybe by the uh, nowadays the cultural you know expansion of old countries they can take uh something from a country maybe poland or maybe latvia and or maybe some something from english i mean every language evolves at its own pace and i think mm -hmm. although i think it is important to to preserve the importance the tradition i think being so restrictive it's um it's not good i mean it's not attractive for young people yeah. they they laugh they think that it's ridiculous they don't accept those regulations and probably for you to speak or for like a also big countries is one thing and yeah probably probably i should be thinking differently because we are small and and there is a risk that one day uh the the language gonna disappear or die yeah. as latin i don't know so probably the fear of that uh and everything and uh, like uh, i think we cherish uh, uh actually i don't know um old versions of the words and there is like a try to keep them still as it was before mm -hmm. in the very old times but as you said yeah Uh, a lot of other language in, uh, influence is like even today in the morning I, I was having a class with the eighth graders uh, and they were saying like uh, in some part in Lithuanian and one word would include in English uh, when speaking about computer sharing uh, they said how should I share into the screen uh, they add Lithuanian ending because we have uh, cases and we have We have to change in a sentence a word. So they put the big, they, they take the beginning of the English word, they put the uh, Lithuanian ending, and then, yeah, this is it. Probably they wouldn't write in an essay like that, but when they speak, they use a lot of these kind of words. And yeah, it's controversial. It's not easy to answer what is, what is good and what is bad. That's interesting because something similar is happening here in Mexico. But, you know, we are next to the United States. So what is happening at the moment is that we are taking a lot of English words and we are, like, making them Spanish words without translating. For example, we have an informal verb, which is watcher. It comes from the English verb watch, and it means the same. But in Spanish, we already have two verbs for that, which is ver and mirar. But we are no, making these, these questions yeah it's it's like a heritage from the from the people well from the states that are close to the border with the united states you know and there's a lot of american heritage in those states and they normally you know uh combine combine the words and as we as Luis mentioned uh watch out is a very interesting uh, example like you would normally say in english i am going to watch tv In, in, Espanol, in Spanish, it would be voy a ver televisión. But now it turns out that here in Mexico, you can use the uh, watchar 
and you will understand. I mean, new generations will understand what you're what you are saying. Older generations, maybe not. But that's fascinating. What chat? <laughs> it's exactly what is going on here. I think it's not only borders or where you're close, but it's somehow the internet and uh, yeah, the internet language is English probably. And when you Google something, do you Google in Spanish or in English? When you have in some English. problems with your computer. Uh, I <laughs> in English. I, yeah. I 50% English, 50% of the time Spanish. It's, I mean, it's gotten to that point. Like you mentioned, um, the internet has, you know, spread a lot of information uh, in English. And I think it's, it's gotten to the point in which you are more familiar with some terms, depending on the context on, or, or at least the area you are going to look for information. And yeah, like you mentioned, it's, it's, it's uh, this blend of languages um, at some point enriches the, the, I mean, the pragmatics enriches the, the meaning of, of the words. But at the same time, I think it takes away a little bit more of the original part of the language. Like at some point you have to, or I mean, personally, I feel like at some point one has to be respectful with, with the languages, you know, and, and don't try to overuse some words in English when you are a native Spanish speaker or a you know Lithuanian native speaker, um, because it it's like you are not valuing. I mean, you are taking away a little bit of the value of your language. Mm -hmm. I kind of would agree with you, actually. Yeah, and especially as a Lithuanian language teacher, <laughs> probably I even should agree, but I, I, I agree, actually, yeah. And the, the respect for the language is a beautiful thing to say, but it's actually true, yeah. But, you know, even now, I think when students, they, they study a lot now, like for a long time uh, via Zoom or uh, other kind of platform, and even now, for example, I see that share screen, it's written in English, share screen, and will never be written in, in, in Lithuanian. And like some students, they see share screen, share screen, and they automatically, they, they won't see the lintes ekranu, they will say, sherinte, uh, uh, something like that. <laughs> so because they see, and it's like, I don't know. Yeah, these are interesting things. Yeah, I mean, not only with English, but... Um, personally, I'm, I'm interested. I am studying a little bit of Portuguese and while I, last week while I was doing my research on some topics, I, I noticed that uh, given that Spanish and Portuguese are Roman la Romance languages, mm -hmm. they have a lot of influence on each other. Uh, Portuguese people or Brazilians are taking a little bit more words from Spanish and they combine it. So it's it's not only in the case with English, it's it's happening everywhere. I mean, um, I kind of understand this because they are like brother languages, but I don't know, it's like I mentioned, and it you take away a little bit of your own language. You don't kind of respect how rich your language can be. Mm -hmm. You don't give a chance for their language. Yeah, you don't give a chance. <laughs> but it's interesting to hear about uh, Portuguese and, and Spanish. I've been in Brazil uh, 
during the time when I uh, when I went to Argentina, we decided that oh Brazil is so close, we should go. I should go, and with two other Lithuanians that also been there, we traveled, and we thought that with our little Spanish, we somehow will be able to be understood or to speak or to like or to understand ourselves. But no way, no way, nothing, nothing. They never understood us, not even a sentence, and we completely didn't understand them too. And uh, it was really interesting. I tried to understand. I've been there like maybe for five days, not that long but still uh, surrounded that language. And in the beginning, it sounded me, uh, I hope I won't offense anyone. Uh, it sounded a little bit like dogs barking somehow, kind of rough. And then the other day I'm walking uh, in the street of Rio de Janeiro and it sounds like the most beautiful song of a bird. And I couldn't understand when I left what the language sounds like i don't know like really really different and the in each character could shape the language uh, itself probably it's really like i don't know how, how even to describe but it was really interesting and still i don't know how how it sounds if i would be asked to compare with something it's hard i would say it's very like changing i don't know if for you is the same but i i think about that language like that yeah, I mean, there are a lot of uh, cultural shocks. And, and of course, the pronunciation part is it's also difficult when you try to reproduce uh, sounds that you don't, you don't even have in your own language. <laughs> and, and, and it's really interesting. I mean, when Portuguese speakers speak uh, fast, I cannot understand anything. I, I mean, it's, it's very difficult. And like you mentioned it, uh, um, also, given the informal uh, vocabulary that some people use, mm -hmm. it, it makes it even harder because you you can follow the grammatic the grammatics you can follow like the normal vocabulary. But if if you go to a place in which uh, a more informal vocabulary is being used, you will probably end up understanding nothing. So mm -hmm. it is very interesting in, in that case, and, and those experiences really. Uh, really change your perspective and really uh, even make you more interested in, in, in the language and in the culture of, of the country. I agree with that. Uh, Peter, why don't you tell us a little bit about Lithuanian language, you know, like the elements in the language, the features. The heritage mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, because, well, you know, it's not that popular, unfortunately. Yeah, it's maybe in the whole world, maybe a little bit more than three millions people they they speak lithuanian language and uh, yeah we are very always proud to say that it's one of the oldest uh, uh, language in the whole europe it's um it's related with sanskrit we have a lot of like in common words uh and uh, i always ask my students maybe i don't know if i asked uh, louis <laughs> your group our group uh but uh I always raise this issue, how to compare languages, how to understand like in an easy way. If you're not like a philologist, you don't like do a big research, how to compare uh, like uh, in a fast way. So uh, I always say that you have to take uh, the main words in the language. 
which are like mother, maybe the main food name, maybe bread, uh, maybe sun in the sky, maybe baby, how do you call the babies, maybe animals that are uh, very important in that country. You take those words and then you can compare. And actually in uh, Lithuanian um, uh, in, uh, wolf, uh, uh, which is Vilkas, and in Latin, in, not in Latin, in, in Sanskrit, it sounds uh, very similar son, uh, like a baby boy, uh, then a sheep, God, even uh, a little bit similar. So there are those uh, words that uh, relates us. And I, I always, I, I wanted the students to think like that about the language and sometimes uh, people they come to the courses and they uh, they think that it's really similar to Russian language and it will be I'm Russian speaker it will be much easier for me because it's just uh, Lithuania is former Soviet Union so yeah that's that's it it's like maybe Slavic lang language they think and for me it's kind of like insulting actually because it is not of course uh, we are former Soviet Union uh, country. And um, it's, it's sad <laughs> and it's actually, uh, yeah, but I cannot deny and it was influential and we have many words, maybe some even sentence constructions that comes from that time. Actually, I always want people to know that it's a Baltic language from the Baltic language <laughs> branch. And uh, yeah, we have uh, seven cases, uh, uh, we have uh, like very similar, like in Latin, in Latin they have a six. We have additionally uh, locative. In the past, locative was very complicated. Locative was uh, not only one. We have several kind of locatives. Now we have only one in the use. So seven cases. Uh, I don't know if you understand what is a case. It's really probably hard to say, but some kind of a word like nouns, adjectives, pronouns, numerals. Um, uh, I, I think, yeah, I think I mentioned all of them. We change, uh, like uh, depending what verb is before that, a noun, adjective, pronoun, or a numeral, or a prep preposition, which preposition. So these kind of... Uh, uh, things uh, like changes that word and uh, from the change from the ending uh, we get the meaning so for example we have a case genitive case so most of the genitive case uh, words uh, like no sentences if you have a negative sentence you use most of the time genitive case if you call something like um like by a name or like a pet name or a sweet name, I don't know, some kind of like that. You shout and call someone, uh, then you use a vocative case and so on. So we have those cases. We have only four tenses. We have past, past interrogative. I mean, the uh, as, as in English would be, I used to ride uh, uh, my bicycle when I was something, uh, this uh, the, uh, the thing that happened many times. So two kind of past tenses, present and future. That's it, no more tenses we have. Only these four, and it, it could seem very easy, <laughs> but uh, you, Luis, could, could tell you how easy it is or, or, or not, I don't know. How for others, uh, maybe I have a sense. I cannot say that, I don't know. 
So uh, what else? We have uh, some specific letters. Uh, some of them they had like these, like we call in Lithuania nosine, which means a handkerchief or like a napkin that has these like tails, uh, like on U, I, A, E, these letters has these small tails and we pronounce them longer than uh, the one that has the ones that has no tails then we uh, and we adopted those actually uh, from Polish language and some of them they were like constructed by the uh, Polish language example then we have a, like C with the crown ash with kind of a crown I, I don't know it's not like a crown it's like um, I don't know how, how, would this, how to say, we call it varinale. So um, if uh, C is without is C, if C is with that crown, it's C, C, C. And then if S is without uh, is C, is, if, if it is with that thing on the top is sh, C, sh, C, sh, C, sh, these kind of letters. And uh, what else, what is interesting? Ah, and we have a very uh, one uh, and the only one letter in the whole alphabet, uh, which is the, the, just the only one original Lithuanian letter. It's E with a dot and we pronounce it E. I have it in my name, Birute. You, you don't pronounce it really E. <laughs> like that in the in the word, but still it's a it kind of goes up the sound brute e. So that one, that letter you cannot find anywhere else, uh, just in Lithuanian alphabet. Other letters are adopted uh, or borrowed from the other languages for good, probably. Uh, our al alphabet was um, first time published in uh, 1547 in our very first book uh, it's kind of late so it seems that how how do you say that is one of the oldest language in the whole europe and and it's kind of late mentioned uh, in the book uh, the alphabets but it's actually um it was in the use for a long time even before before it, it was published in that book and our book uh, appeared very late also so but the history shows many things like I don't know how many languages in the whole history Lithuania was speaking. The uh, old Russian language, which was Rusenu, a mix of Russian, Russian language. Then Polish, then uh, Yiddish, uh, Russian, not Rusenu, but the real Russian. Uh, yeah, these languages were like one time, one come. <laughs> than the other, the other, and the language is uh, really influenced by these, by these languages, maybe not uh, Yiddish language, or I don't know, I, I never uh, heard about any studies like that, but, but uh, the, the other languages I mentioned you, yeah, influence, so, yeah, and I don't know, I would say that it's kind of a rich, rich language, um, I don't never, I, I, when I speak, I never feel like, oh, I'm, uh, I have a lack of words. Or some people, they like to say that 
Oh, this language is much more richer because um, like I have heard older people saying that Russian language is much more richer. I can express myself better in that. I don't think like that. And uh, maybe the, <laughs> these kind of people, they have to read a little bit more of books and to extend their vocabularies. I don't know. I'm joking. I don't want to insult anyone. So uh, yeah, we have different kind of like uh, like we have a lot of words that um, has demonstrative suffix and even my name has it, Uta, Buruta, even though that when I'm thinking about myself, I'm not thinking like a very small Buruta. Uh, if, I, if I would, if someone would call me uh, in a sweet way, in a pet, pet name kind of, they would add the one more uh, demonstrative suffix. So there would be two demonstrative suffixes. So it would be like Burutele, so ut, el, these are demonstrative uh, suffixes. And uh, yeah, we have uh, some, um, I don't know, fun words. Uh, I don't know how to call them in English, but they're like from the sound uh, you make out of the sound. Like if, if you drop a book, the sound is like plumped, pumped, pukst, tukst like that. So we have so many, we have, we could say everything. So once I gave to my students a task uh, to write about their morning, what they, what they did, uh, what they did uh, without using uh, verbs. So they used all of those uh, and they would say like, I up, up, up from the bed, uh, like brukst, brukst, brukst my teeth with a toothbrush, uh, pukst, 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 my face with the water, crumbs, 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 the food, <laughs> and so on, like that. It was a lot of fun, actually. Uh, yeah, they didn't know themselves that it's possible. Uh, of course, you couldn't speak every day like that, but it's, it's fun, and it's beautiful to know that it's possible, <laughs> like, and it's, it, it makes the language a fun thing. So, I don't know. Did I did I tell enough about the language? I don't know. I could tell more and more. No, I think it was great. It was a lot, a lot of information. <laughs> you just learned that Lithuania is pretty rich. So how was for you, Luis? Is, what do you think? Is it like a hard language to, to, to learn or, or easy or okay? Well, in my context, I think it is a bit difficult, you know, because Spanish and Lithuanian are quite different. Um, but yeah, for example, both languages have verb conjugations. So I think it was a bit easier, uh, but the vocabulary is really different. So yeah, it was difficult, but the most difficult part, I think, were the cases because in Spanish, we don't have those. So I'm used to to use prepositions to express that. And when you, you know, when you were explaining the cases, it was like, wait, what did you say? <laughs> so yeah, it's a bit, a bit difficult, the vocabulary, the morphology of the words and the cases. But the pronunciation, not that much because some sounds are quite similar to Spanish. So yeah, only these two aspects I will consider like the most difficult ones. That's an interesting observation that the sound the sound is is similar the sounds I mean maybe yeah it was it was very interesting uh, what you mentioned I, any kind of well the whole information was 
was was great. I mean, I don't know much about Lithuania, but the information that you gave about the country and the language has has is definitely very rich. I mean, uh, this is why we wanted to to grade up to make a podcast to get to know <laughs> more about different cultures, different languages, and your insight was very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, maybe now you will be also interested in joining maybe the courses and study and you will be the three million and the first one who will <laughs> add, uh, there will be three million plus one person who speaks in Lithuanian yeah I, I love my language and I'm happy to share it and uh, of course uh, probably it's not easy but you know there are like stages for people when they study I noticed during these uh, seven years that I teach uh, that in the beginning, uh, people are very excited. They, they want to learn and they heard maybe some beautiful things. They have their own motivations and so on. And then uh, they study and they face the cases and there are more cases. They understand that they learned maybe two cases and they're like, five more what like oh my god and they get like into some hole and they feel like depressed they think oh i will never be able to speak this language properly maybe i can speak like uh, an hour or maybe i'll always like uh, sound like a foreigner or something like that and then they always get out of that that hole <laughs> that depression and then when they like Maybe the maybe they learn a little bit more deeper the cases they understand that it's it's possible to learn the language, and then yeah they go straight a lot a lot a lot a lot and then they reach like kind of a limit where they don't get that much but they go deeper into the things that they already learned. This is also interesting, and they feel then they they are standing uh, at the same place but actually they're not, they're deepening their knowledge. So these are kind of the stages. I'm not a researcher of like that thing, but th these are the things that I notice and they're interesting to me. Patterns. It's very interesting in general. Uh, maybe we can have another podcast, another episode talking more extensive about this because well, it is a big, big thing big topic i mean we can talk and discuss about okay um well we've got to the third part but not the last uh we'd like to we'd like you to talk a little bit about lithuania's traditions the culture the people yeah okay so i can start with uh the thing that i just said like I, I, I named myself talkative Lithuanian. I'm not that talkative, actually, but at least I think like that. And Lithuanians in general, they, they're like, I don't know, if you compare with the, uh, the countries, they, they sometimes might seem grumpy, actually. They don't smile too much. Uh, they, 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 they're... And then uh, when I was teaching, probably Luis uh, wouldn't let me to lie. Uh, I mentioned this, that if you ask how are you Lithuanian, uh, you should be serious because you could get an answer that not really well or actually bad because this question is not out of politeness asked in here. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's a serious question and you're asking how are you and yeah, and the person will answer you uh, sincerely, how is he or she? So 
nothing and uh, um, hmm, what should i say yeah we have um, we have a lot of traditions that are very old that comes from the uh, pagan times uh, uh, from paganism uh, and it's mixed with like uh, uh, christianity some of them especially the celebrations for example, we celebrate um, Saint Jonas Day, and uh, actually, at the same day, uh, it's the shortest night. So, in the pagan like times, uh, like <laughs> they would celebrate the shortest night, and now they say Saint Jonas Day, but also remembering things like that. So, um, I don't know. I think that um, if I would if I would ask anyone in Lithuania. What is the what is the symbol? What 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 does it mean to meet somewhere in a field to see somewhere in the field a grass snake? Probably all people would know that it's a good sign. You will be lucky, maybe healthy, and so on. These kind of things. So they also the, these things comes from the from the uh, past, from the pagan times. And I'm a pre, I, I, I cherish, I uh, appreciate those things. They're beautiful to me and everything that it's how like uh, the respect for the nature uh, believes in some mystical creatures and so on. And these are beautiful things. And um, I myself, uh, I, I mentioned that I grew up in like a small village named Grache. And uh, the village was full of legends like about a devil that lives uh, uh, not very far in the forest, about witches, about many kinds of things. And I believed in those things sincerely. I grew up like believing in those things, actually sometimes being afraid to be alone even. I, I remember that um, maybe at the age of three, I always like would sing when I'm uh, sing maybe or pray when I'm alone because I would be afraid that the devil will come or the witch will come. So these kind of things. So it's uh, the culture is rich with stories and legends. My grandmother, uh, she lived in the uh, other village named Ushpali and she, she liked to tell stories and uh, she was um, I don't know how to say this word. Actually, I should look. Uh, maybe, maybe you would know. Like, um, not uh, not knitting, but the other word, like making a blanket. It's with W letter, like it's like wave. Probably is that word in English. So uh, she was kind of known of the blankets that she she was making uh, from linen. And sometimes some journalist would come and uh, ask her about her work. And uh, she would like to tell stories. And once she created a story about the stone that was near her house, uh, she created that it was a specific creature's boat, a creature, Lome, which is uh, like in our legends and uh, and, and stories like it's like neither good nor bad uh, uh, creature. It could be good, it could be bad. It could steal children, little babies, but it could help for people. Uh, it depends on many things. Uh, so she created that that stone is a boat of Lome. 
and what can you uh, <laughs> you know like the craziest thing about that that uh, people read that story and believe that it's a real legend and wrote like published in some books that story and now there is even a sign on the road if you want to see like an object to visit like a known object important object of the village just turn there and there is this boat of the uh, like a lome that creature so uh, yeah with this i wanted to say that yeah this magical part uh, like this magical realism uh, it's like everywhere here uh, it's like a big part of the culture uh, this magic and uh, it's in literature it's in songs and poetry i said that lithuanians could seem grumpy uh but yeah they could probably but they are also sensitive people they like um in these folk songs uh you can notice that they're very sensitive and uh even singing like wedding folk songs people would cry like uh, like uh, not only just singing about like uh, brothers that went to the war but also like about beautiful things they would sing and, and cry and so on so this is a like kind of a beautiful part and uh, uh what's uh, yeah traditions we have some like um like cuisine, uh, main main dishes uh, are made out, out of potatoes, and we have our traditional uh, food cepeliny, uh, with uh, mashed potatoes with the meat inside, sometimes curd if you're a vegetarian. Uh, then uh, potato pancakes, uh, also. Um, Kugelis, uh, these are also foods that are made from potatoes. Because potato you can grow here. You cannot grow some very like tropical stuff because we have like deep cold winters. So, um, but potatoes for potatoes is great. The soil is rich with like some stuff that potatoes need. So yeah, potatoes, onions. And uh, yeah, that's why probably the cuisine is also like like that here also a lot of pork people eat uh, it's kind of a good quality uh, pork um maybe what is interesting that in the village what people do i don't know if in mexico we heard about it but they put like in the spring there are specific specific trees maybe maple tree or uh, then uh, birch tree they put like a straw, uh, something into the trunk of a tree. And then in spring, the water starts leaking out of that. And people collect that water. It depends on which, which tree water it is or which time you collect the sweetness. But it's really delicious water. You don't need to add anything you can drink. And it's like, I don't know with what I could compare that that water. <laughs> really hard to compare. So we call it sula. Uh, so this is also kind of a thing that maybe would be interesting for for people that that are not Lithuanians. Yeah. So um, if you read like the beginning of literature, you see that uh, Lithuanians they always were 
uh, proud with their forests, their soils, the beautiful rivers, uh, like huge old trees, oak trees most mostly, uh, oak tree trees, forests, and so on. So uh, this is the, the the main thing, and our literature is shaped like that. Actually, we we our classic writers they wrote a lot about nature and inspired it. The nature helped to express their feelings, to show their feelings through the nature. It was like a mirror for a, a human being. So yeah, um, I'm probably not really organized. I'm just thinking around in my head and <laughs> trying to reach one or the other thing. Yeah, I think I could talk more mostly about literature, but music, art, uh, like, yeah, probably nowadays people turn into the folk music more or make like folk music sound in a very interesting, different way. Uh, it's an interesting trend. And I like that trend. They they take some drums and they sing some folk song about brothers in the war or something like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I missed something. Maybe I missed the most important thing. <laughs> if so, then I will ask you to extend. Like, I will rise in the middle of the night and I will say, Luis, let's continue the podcast tomorrow. I forgot to say about <laughs> this and that. So. Yeah, well, don't worry. You are well, more than welcome for a second episode <laughs> of Lithuania. <laughs> Thank you. And also, when we talk about languages and literature, you you will be one of our guests for sure. <laughs> Good. I, I will be happy. Yeah, I'm yeah, a big but, reader. Yeah. I you can see from the thickness of my glasses. I'm joking. It's a uh, but they are very thick actually, but not from the reading. It's a heritage from my family probably. But yeah, I I, I am a big reader. I have a bigger brother, and I remember myself uh, in a childhood reading for him. Uh, fairy tales uh, loudly the fairy tales that we there was a, a must think to read in a school like a homework or something and my brother would be lazy or he wouldn't want so I would read it loudly for him at the age of five and then he would hear and yeah his homework would be done yeah but I like that I wasn't complaining yeah it's it's very interesting I just said well uh, there are a lot of traditions that I think we don't have for example that one about water of the trees well I haven't I never heard about it before I don't know if you have heard about it Manuel because where you live there are more farms and things I like mean that. directly from the trees no but there are some I mean I think there is one spring Uh, and you can go there and, you know, fill bottles of water. And sometimes people would use that water to drink or because it's clean water. I mean, mm -hmm. people would use it to drink or even to cook and even to make some kind of liquor. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's like a small, well, here, at least where I live, it's, there is something called Torito, which mm -hmm. is a kind of alcohol made with Uh, peanuts, uh, which sounds crazy, but uh, <laughs> it sounds tastes, like... <laughs> tastes good. Um, but no, I mean, maybe in other places of Mexico where there's more like there's more, you know, nature, more trees or oaks, because I, I know that you can do this more often with, with oaks. 
but now where I live, I don't, I haven't seen or heard of people drinking uh, water directly from trees. But it's <laughs> it's something great. I mean, I think it connects you more with the nature. I think it it gives you cer certain respect for for the trees, or or at least to value them more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably maybe in the city people, they don't really do that. I, maybe more in the village now. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can actually later on Google, uh, I can spell you uh, the name of that water. And maybe you can see like, and you will recognize it's S-U-L-N-A, Sula, we call it like that. So okay. you know, maybe, maybe your podcast listeners will start this thing in Mexico now. <laughs> Yeah, well, okay, now it's time for the final part of the podcast, in mm -hmm. which we are going to read some sentences about Mekdu, um, mm -hmm. but, and, and you have to guess if they are true or false, and also since I know a bit about Lithuania, I will ask Manuel a few things, so we will see if you know about Mexico and Manuel knows about Lithuania. Mm -hmm. okay. Great, that's Sounds good. Up. Okay, um... Would you mind if I start asking you? Please. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't it's, mind. It's, it's only three. Um, the first one is a multiple choice, so don't worry. Okay, the first one says, the number of corn varieties in Mexico is A, 40, B, 68, or C, 59. Oh, my God. I never imagined these numbers, all of it, very high. Okay. <laughs> Maybe the middle, I would choose 50, what is 50 something, 59? Yeah, it's, it's the last one, 59. We have 59 corn varieties here in Mexico. It's, oh, wow. It's a traditional, it's a traditional uh, meal. Uh, Aztecs, Majans, uh, Olmecas would use corn uh, to obviously produce their, their meals, but also uh, Corn in, in the past was uh, believed to be sacred, you know, a, a sacred meal for, for some gods. So uh, corn is very valuable here in Mexico. <laughs> ah, beautiful. Ah, I will learn a lot of things. Okay. Uh, now, uh, the second. Mexico's Pico de Orizaba is the highest peak in the world. True or false? True. And no, it is false. It is the third. Uh, it is only behind Mount McKinley in the United States and Mount Logan in Canada uh, is the third highest oh. peak in, in, in the world. It rises 5,636 meters above sea level. Wow. So, yeah, it's the third. And it's close to, to Luis and I. It's close. It's very close. It is huh. located between the state of Veracruz and, and, and Puebla. Okay, and the last one, um, mm -hmm. around 10% of the world's biodiversity is located in Mexico. True or false? Mm, uh, hard one, hard one. Okay, <laughs> let's say true, let's say true. Correct, it is true. Um, up to date, it is believed that our country holds around 108,000 species of animals and plants included. So we are pretty pretty big uh, country in terms of biodiversity as well. Ah, wow. 
Ah, that's great. Maybe you will really encourage me to continue my Spanish studies and visit the, the country. Beautiful things okay. I learned. Thank you. Okay, my turn. Hot chocolate was considered a sacred drink among the Aztecs. Well, you know, the Aztecs were the, the, mm -hmm. the tribe that Mexico before the mm -hmm. Spaniards arrived. Aztecs, we say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Chocolate milk? Hot chocolate was considered a sacred drink. It sounds crazy, but yeah, maybe not. Maybe not true. No, actually it is true. Uh, but you know, <laughs> yeah, the Aztec used to perform sacrifices. So blood from the sacrifices and chocolate were saved. And also chocolate was, was drunk before a bottle as a sign of good luck. And it was drunk after a, a sacrifice because it was believed that the gods were pleased, so they drank the chocolate. Oh, that's fascinating. Are you still continue? Is it like a thing still now? Popular? Maybe for some of the people that still speak in these indigenous languages, not that much. It is more nowadays more like a common beverage, so it is not that secret anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, next one. Chihuahua is the national dog of Mexico. A national what? The national dog? dog? Uh-huh. Ah, dog. Okay. Ah, uh, I'm sorry. I did. Okay. Um maybe not. Yeah, and that's true. It is not the national dog of Mexico. Mm -hmm. It is another race called Solochquinkle, which is popular a little bit in the north of Mexico, but mostly in Mexico City, there are a lot. And also this dog, the Xolosquintle, it was believed that when you die, a Xolosquintle will be your partner in the underworld. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah so, I uh, guessed one <laughs> correctly. <laughs> Maybe the next one will be a little bit easier it, since it is about Lithuania. There were Lithuanians and Mexicans traveling in the Titanic. Oh, yeah. This is, I know for sure that it's true. Yeah, it is true. <laughs> um, for what I read, there were three people. Joseph Montpilo, who was a Lithuanian priest. Elisir uh -huh. Binsky, who was a third-class passenger. Mm -hmm. And Simas Baniolus, who was a member crew of the Titanic. Interesting, maybe. Maybe okay. they met. <laughs> so, Manuel, are you ready for your questions? It's my turn. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah. So, maybe Beruta can help me to explain some of the things I will ask. <laughs> I will try. <laughs> they are pretty easy, so don't worry. Uh, the first one is Lithuanian language developed from Latvian language. Mm, false. Yeah, it is false. Yeah. <laughs> are completely different, but I think they have some similarities. Especially in the north of Lithuania, I think people can understand people from Latvia. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah, think, I'm in not general, sure. In general, uh, maybe people could understand 10%. But it's like uh, still uh, the, the, some sounds are similar. And if you go deeper to the words etymology, you can find more similarities. For example, uh, to breathe, breathe, I mean, to, to breathe in, breathe out, to breathe. Uh, in Lithuanian language now is kvepuate. And in the past, 
it was dvesuate. And in Latvian language, dvesele is a soul. And in Lithuanian language, dveste, which is similar to dvesele, is to die. But now only animals, dvese, human beings are mirshta, that we use the other word. So dvesuate, dvesele, and dveste. Very like connected because when you die, you kind of breathe out, the, you give up the last breath of yours to the world and kind of like release your soul. Uh, so you release the, the, the soul and uh, yeah, and then which, which is to die. So if you, you go deeper to those things, you will see that, okay, maybe they don't seem like, if you think like from the first sight, uh, you don't see the similarities, but if you go deeper, you find, yeah. And I have a, a relative who is a translator from Latvian language. She uh, had uh, to translate one children's book uh, about uh, salespeople. Not salespeople. It's like a sales pies because all the characters were pies. So uh, like wild uh, pirates, something like that. And there were actually very many words that she couldn't translate from Latvian to Lithuanian because our port the seaside, the seashore is smaller and the port is not that developed as like Latvian. So they have more words that we don't have and we don't have things even of those of that. So yeah, it was like some some hard, hard, uh, hardship, hard things for her to do. Yeah, but she maybe some words she created, some words she made out of something or she found some some, yeah, I'm sorry. I just extended the, the, the explanation. No, no, it's okay. It's a complete explanation. <laughs> yeah, okay. so 10% maybe, if you if you listen. and. Okay, the next question. Lithuanian language has never been banned in Lithuania. I say true. True. True? Well, no, it is actually false. Oh. It is... It is a pretty dark period for Lithuania, right? Beautiful. It was, uh, people were forced uh, to speak, to write in Russian language. We uh, like call it Russificatia. Uh, uh, I don't know if there is such a word in English, Russification. No, I don't know. I can yeah. create maybe a word. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, people, they... Uh, in schools, uh, they had to read like specific books and so on. And uh, like bright people, bright minds, they found the ways to transfer the language for the ones that wanted that. Even in schools, there were teachers that were taking a risk and teaching uh, like uh, stuff. And yeah, but sadly, yeah, it was banned uh, at some period in history. Yeah, and the language survived thanks to the people who smuggled books during that time. Oh, I didn't want to say that because I thought that your question will be related uh, no, no, to last core. Yeah, we had a book smugglers that we call Knigneshi. Kniga is a book and Neshte is to carry. So the ones who carries the books and the Knigneshi, they were carrying uh, the books secretly in the like carriages they would have the two buttons in the carriage 
and who opens the carriage they see oh nothing is here but they wouldn't check that there are two like it's like a kind of secret small box yeah so but it was a big risk uh, uh to do that and they they knew that they could be like even killed if they would have been found at like uh, with like a pile of a books transferred so and we celebrate um uh, the book smugglers day in spring um, at a university we would organize some events to just memorize the day and to celebrate it uh, those people that that did such a big job such a big thing yeah okay that's, well, that's quite a story that's quite yeah, a story is, the last question is a bit easier it is lithuania celebrates two independence days yeah true i i looked i looked to uh, information about lithuania like a week ago and yes if i remember right one is celebrated in february and the other one in april <laughs> close, close <enough. laughs> yeah oh yeah february one is celebrated on february yeah, yeah, 16th uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, the second one it is on march 11th oh. and the one mm -hmm. in february celebrates the uh, restoration of the estate from mm -hmm. the Russian Empire. And the second one celebrates the restoration of the Independence Day uh, from the Soviet Union. Yeah, I looked, yeah. I looked for information about the, the country. And <laughs> you that. did your it, 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 it's interesting. It interesting. <laughs> yeah, and we also, we think about freedom, about these independence, independence days. Uh, we also uh, remember the uh, January 13th which was the beginning of the independency, which uh, when like uh, Russian, not Russian, Soviets with tanks, they were uh, trying to get into the TV tower, uh, parliament, uh, radio and television building and people uh, not armed, just like with empty hands, sometimes maybe even with flowers, they were uh, gathering together there and trying to like, protect those important places and uh, some of them died uh, so that day is not for celebration it's like for a memory thing for these freedom fighters but it's an important day and we always uh, every morning like of the january 13th we uh Fire, uh, like we burn the candles on the window sills, uh, like just to, to, to be seen uh, from the outside, and uh, that's how we kind of um, like press the respect for those and and gratitude. Yeah, the third date that it's related to the to the the other two. Well, thank you, Beruta. That would be for the podcast. Thank you for everything you said. It was really interesting to hear you and to know more about the twenty. Thank you for inviting and thank you for these uh, interesting uh, questions and uh, thank you for also letting me know your country more and uh, your culture more and I hope uh, maybe my life goal should become like to try all of the types of the corn of <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> yeah. so that would be quite a quite a challenge. <laughs> yeah indeed yeah so yeah. well If you want to participate some other time in the podcast, you are more than welcome. Um, well, okay. since you are the the guest, you just say the last words of this podcast, and we will go. Aha. So um, I don't know what what part of the day is now in Mexico. It's almost 2 p.m. Ah. 
So have a wonderful, beautiful day, everyone. And Geros Diamas in Lithuanian. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.